Welcome to the Sages Among Us. What makes a community great? Most importantly, it's the people who live and work there and are engaged in community life. The Sages Among Us focuses on those people, what they do and why they do it, and celebrates the leadership, time, and energy they bring to making a positive difference for all of us. I'm Lori Burkhart Frank, and I am pleased to introduce you to my guest tonight, Dr. Jean Creasy. Dr. Creasy is a humanitarian mentor, a teacher, and a leader. She is a 2001 graduate of the University of San Francisco School of Dentistry. She has served in leadership in both California Dental Association and America Dental Association. She was president of the Kellerman Foundation, which provides hope and health in Uganda through health care, community development, and nursing education. She's currently an advisor to the Kellerman Foundation. She's been to Uganda nine times with teams of dentists and people that she's recruited to help, and she teaches at UOP. Jean, thank you for being here. Welcome. Thank you, Lori. It's a pleasure to join you this evening. Well, it was really, uh, I have so much more I could say about you, but I think it's better for the audience to get to hear it from you. And um, we've got so much to get into. I just wanted to get started, though, with where you grew up. Where, where were some of your early days? Well, I spent my, um, my entire life in California. I grew up in both Northern California and Southern California. My dad was a, a pilot, and he liked to um, transfer from base to base about every seven years, just about the time I would get ensconced in a school and, and uh, you know, with friends. So <laughs> uh, I always say that, that that habit helped me learn to make friends quickly and know that there were pretty much nice people in whatever community you ended up in. That is a great lesson to learn early in life. That is that is wonderful. Uh, who were some of your early role, role models growing up? Well, because we moved around, the most consistent were my parents. They were really solid people, and we had some family friends, um, just good adults with um, solid values and um, very much family values. You know, the, um, the, the value of how do you make a spaghetti sauce that, that tastes really good and um, not to waste things and, um, you know, ideals like that that last you your whole life. <laughs> so you said your dad was a pilot. Did your mom uh, work or was she a, an at-home mom? Well, she was a traditional homemaker. She started out as a stewardess, but, but that was back in the days when if you got married as a stewardess, then you had to quit. So it was, you know, very 1950s, very traditional roles. And, um, I you know, I tell people when they ask me, you know, what made you decide to become a dentist? Or was that something you, you know, what did you think about being when you were a kid? Um, my parents really raised, um, I, I, I grew up with 1950s ideals. I'd say that you women went to school and it was important that I went to college and had an education. But at the same time, picking a career was something at the time that I would do in case my husband got hit by a bus. You know, it was like a fallback position. And so it's, I think sometimes when I say that to older women, they know what I'm talking about. But thank goodness young women today don't relate to that very much. So but that was a, a pretty big step then to take to become a dentist. Did you go straight into dental school? No, I um, I started as a hygienist. Um, I went to college. My was My husband and I got married young. He was planning to become a dentist, and I was planning to become a hygienist. 
And I did that for about 10 years and was very happy. And I have to say it was um, in my mid-30s that I decided, you know, I would love to go on and be a dentist. And um, fortunately, my family was very supportive, my husband especially so. And that's when I um, I, I kind of, um, you know, turned the whole family upside down, went back to college and, and attended dental school for four years. That must have been turning the family upside down because... That's not something you just do in your part time, you know, part time. How, how did you manage that with a family? It was, it was, it was kind of like a, um, it was, I don't know what you call it, a miracle. <laughs> but I, um, I went to, I had to, it involved a lot of driving. That's what I would say off the top of my head. Because at the time we didn't even have Sierra College up here in Nevada County. So I drove, I commuted down to Rockland. All the coursework I'd done to get my dental hygiene degree was about 10 years old, and it was, um, you know, just a little outdated. So I had to go back and take um, general chemistry, organic chemistry, all the, you know, physics, things I never wanted to take before in my life. Had to drive to Rockland for a year, then to Chico for a couple years, and then eventually when I got in um, after three years to San Francisco every week to, to go to dental school for four years. So it was it was kind of a um, lots of balls in the air. Took everybody on deck to keep my three, you know, family of three still together. And um, yeah, it was. It was. I always say it was by the grace of God that I made it through that period of my life. And that's why I try and give back a lot now because I probably owe him <laughs> a lot. It is amazing to to think of that as having a young family and a practice with your husband and and then going becoming a dentist yourself. So. I, I guess that was the, the some of the predictors of some of these other amazing things you've gone on to do. And, and so, Jean, you um, are not just involved as a dentist here in, in town. Uh, you've gotten involved in a big way in the dental world. So can you tell us about some of the different organizations you're part of? Well, I've had the, um, the joy of being involved in, in organized dentistry, um, and I think it was because when I had my career as a hygienist here in the county, I worked with the county office of education and I got involved in public health dentistry. And it really opened my eyes to um, the unmet dental needs that are out there in our community, the people that don't have access to oral health. And at the time I thought, you know, if I could just become a dentist, then I would really be able to do something about all these kids that have um, you know, preventable decay in their mouth and go through pain and and people without financial resources that can't get their kids to the dentist. And I thought I would be kind of the savior to doing kids dentistry. So that was really partly what motivated me to go back. And then when I got out, I quickly figured out that um, giving um, dental injections to kids under five was if I did that on a regular basis, I'd probably have to take up heavy drinking or <laughs> something like that <laughs> to keep my sanity. So um, I, I got involved more in the political side of it, like policy influencing and helping, trying to be on um, involved in, in um, creating policies that would open up more access to care and, um, so that's why I got involved in organized dentistry and through the California Dental Association and the American Dental Association, it was, um, I felt like I had just incredible opportunities to go back to 
Washington, D.C. and talk to Congress people and um, on our state level to go visit assemblymen and state senators and um, really kind of paint the pictures of what barriers lie in, in the in ahead of families that uh, maybe can't afford, they don't have dental insurance and they don't have the means to um, get their kids to the dentist or how to introduce prevention programs that are um, uh, effective into the schools. Well, you're listening to The Sages Among Us on KVMR. I'm Lori Burkhart-Frank, and I'm talking today to Dr. Jean Creasy, Nevada City dentist and humanitarian. So, Jean, that is what drew you into some leadership at the state and uh, national level is, is wanting to make a difference, uh, to leverage that difference in, in really helping kids. Um, you have expanded beyond our state and our country. So tell us about your work abroad. Well, that's, that's been another total blessing of um, becoming a dentist and being able to, to do something that um, affects somebody's quality of life and getting someone out of pain or preventing um, oral health problems in the first place. Um, our family physician was Dr. Scott Kellerman. And as most people in our community know, Dr. Kellerman and his wife went over to serve in Uganda, and I think it was about 2001. And um, through some of my, and, and since Dr. Kellerman had been our doctor, and everybody knows he was the kind of doctor that if you called and you said, oh, one of my kids is really sick, I can't get him to the office, you know, the next thing you know, Dr. Kellerman would be standing at your front door knocking to, you know, he did home visits. And so he engendered a type of, um, I think, loyalty in his patients that when he and his wife, Carol, went over to Uganda, the whole community kind of felt like, well, whatever he needs, we're, you know, we want to help out. So my husband and I were part of that early, those early um, visitors who went over to help set up a dental clinic. Um, and I have to say, going to Africa was probably the last thing on my my wish list at the time, because I always thought, you know, anybody that would go visit Africa with all of the poisonous snakes and maybe animals that want to eat you would need to have their head examined. So, well, is that what happened? That, Did you run into a poisonous yeah. snake and it, snakes and animals that Never. wanted to eat you? Never. I fortunately, um, you know, I've, I've probably seen a couple of animals that, have, that would want to eat me up, but <laughs> fortunately, I've never seen a poisonous snake. So I, I, I think I had, uh, again, like a little a cone of protection about me. But um, yeah, well, so you we, went uh, to, to Uganda uh-huh. and, and got started with that. But something kept drawing you back. You got very, very involved in the leadership by being president of the uh, foundation. But but what kept drawing you back to Uganda? I think it was the um, the friendliness of the people there. Um, I that and that's what really captivated my heart on that very first visit was just the warmth and welcoming nature of the people of Uganda. Um, they were the, they're the kind of um, culture that when they shake your hand, they really look in your eyes and they ask you. They thank you for being there. They ask you, how's your family? And they really care. You know, they're, they're sincere. It's, um, it seemed a different style of culture than I was used to here with the hustle and bustle of people asking you how you are and not really waiting for the answer. So it was um, the warmth and the sincerity of the people that have really drawn me back. 
and um, that's really, I think, one of the, the, the messages I've learned so um, so much to heart of going there is that the relationships are what matter the most. So a part of what I understand you to have done is go and actually help patients, but also develop help them develop uh, their own dental clinic um, and enroll other dentists to help you. Is that is that the way this works? Yeah, there's a very modest little dental clinic there now that was set up by um, Nevada County Rotary to start with. Uh, Dr. Barry Turner was key in doing that. And um, since then, a number of dentists have gone over and they have their own dental health officer there who runs the little clinic. And so going over um, about every other year for me, I've been able to bring um, supplies over consistently. And right now, the, to see the growth over there is just amazing. But um, And the dental clinic is still like a little modest one-room operation as it is. But right now, there are plans to develop what they call a dental officer training program there to go along with their nursing school. And um, there, there are plans to increase the workforce because that's, I think, that's one of the things that's just been um, so uh, shocking to see is in, in the developing world that there just aren't enough providers. They, you know, there's maybe one dental therapist for 250,000 people. And so the shortage of trained professionals there is a little overwhelming and that's one of the things that the Kellerman Hospital there is is trying to address. And and they're doing that by teaching the local the people that live there how they're how they're do... working on that. Yeah, exactly. So um and one it, of the things I I do now is um, work with nursing students to train them to at least do oral exams and, and train them in preventive dentistry, how to, you know, to, to look in a child's mouth and see if they have problems and what to do on a very basic level. I was reading an article I found about you from the American Dental Association, and you were talking about how some of the customs in that article uh, of how to, to deal with uh, young children's teeth were very uh, not uh, unhealthy, and that it wasn't that you needed to approach it in a culturally sensitive way. So, do you know what I'm talking about? Can you speak to that a little bit? I do, I do. It's um, it's a practice that the traditional healers have been doing, and um, in in areas of the world where. They rely on um, traditional medicine people, people that live in the village that don't have formal training. Um, they, uh, they, they had a tradition in Uganda where without any kind of resources, the people who had um, children who were sick would go to the traditional healers. And so it was, it was a, um, a belief that if they extracted the primary teeth of babies, um, the canines in particular, that it would relieve the child of the illness that they had. And um, so that they, they would, the traditional healers, what we might call witch doctors, what they call um, abafumu, they would go and to a, maybe a, um, a child who was sick with a fever, a baby, they would dig out the erupting, unerupted um, tooth buds and show the parent, and at that point, the tooth would be very soft, 
and they would show the parent and it looked like maybe a little grain of rice and they would say, oh, this was the little worm that was causing the problem for the child. So um, it obviously had some ill effects because it didn't make the child any more well or relieve them of the disease that they had. And it would um, it would extract maybe interfere with their adult tooth that was forming and cause some other problems as well. So how do you go about uh, dealing with something like that when you, you do want to be cult- culturally sensitive as well as making sure that these children are getting the best dental health and care that they can? What, what, what process did you go through? Well, it's, it's a, um, my plan was through education, and um, it's always about trying to be respectful uh, through Dr. Kellerman, I was able to to meet some of the traditional healers, and because they they care about their patients as much as I care about my patients, it wasn't about me going in and telling them that they were doing something harmful. I had to really go in with an approach that respected how much they cared about the people they worked with. And so um, to begin with, I just wanted to understand what they were doing and why they were doing it. And part of it was because the people that that came to them had no money. So they would maybe be able to trade in um, food or maybe something the equivalent of five cents compared to um, a a patient that had to go to the hospital with a sick child and maybe pay $2. You know, it's not... Um, but to somebody who's extremely poor, the difference between five cents and two dollars is is maybe insurmountable. So um, we've we started a um, a campaign in the schools to educate kids about how to take care of their teeth and why teeth are all important. All your teeth are important, and also working with um, uh, groups of women in the communities, the village women, to gather them and talk about oral health and talk about. Um, what was normal in tooth eruption and how to take care of their baby's teeth. What we found, interestingly, is the people who lived the closest to the hospital there, they were much less likely to use the traditional medicine that um, was sometimes... If you think of the U.S. and you think of the things that we used to do back in the 1800s, maybe mm-hmm. like bloodletting or using leeches, <laughs> you know, every every culture has their sort of erroneous health beliefs that don't really make a difference. And so um, because this can be harmful, there have been times where through these um, um, tooth mutilations, I'll call it, that they've even um, spread HIV from one child to another because they do this procedure, even prevent it, what they consider prophylactically almost like removing tonsils in kids in the 1950s. You know, some kids, if one brother was getting their tonsils out, they'd take the tonsils out of another, you know, sibling just to <laughs> make it worth their while. Um, and so uh, there have been cases where children have, um, uh, you know, come down with bloodborne diseases because there's no good sterilization. They might use something like a, a, a bicycle spoke to dig the teeth out. So... Um, it's important you are that- listening to The Sages Among Us on KVMR. I'm Lori Burkhart-Frank, and today I'm talking to Dr. Jean Creasy, Nevada City dentist and humanitarian, and we're talking about how to help the, the folks, the patients that you have in Uganda in the, through the Kellerman Foundation uh, and work with the uh, 
uh, as you as you call it, the traditional healers. And yeah. so all of this uh, local work that you've done on the state level, on, on the U.S. level, policy level, and then internationally, I understand that you did receive an award, a humanitarian award, that was a pretty big deal. Can you share about that? Um, yeah, that was that was quite a surprise to me. My um, former dean of my dental school, Dr. Charles Bertolami, is the dean of the NYU School of Dentistry, and he gave me that award for the work um, that I had done in the um, in Uganda with Dr. Kellerman, and so it was kind of a joint award that we both got because he had met Dr. Kellerman through um, some other friends of his. And um, it was, I have to say, I think it was one of the most exciting experiences of my life because I had to give a speech at Madison Square Garden to the graduating dental class. And um, I... That's pretty amazing, Madison Square Garden. (laughs) There were thousands of people. And um, I think if I hadn't done my Toastmasters training, I never would have been able to do it. So, um, but I, I, I just gave like a, a three-minute talk about the joys of service um, in your professional life, and I actually had fun doing it. So I like to tell my family that I was the warm-up act for um, Van, I think it was either Van Halen or Van Morrison, I can't remember, but it was some major rock star was playing at Madison Square Garden that night, so I like to, I like to say that I was the warm-up act. I love that, Jean. <laughs> Great. <laughs> So in terms of service, I know that you you provide tremendous service internationally, but you do a lot of service locally, too. Uh, And and before we got on the air here, you were talking about, uh, is it Care Force? Yeah. Yeah, last last January, my husband and I, we were just part of a a big group of dentists and and, um, physicians and other health providers that did the California Care Force. And it was very similar to work I used to do for the California Dental Association. They used to put on events um, when you could still do that kind of thing before COVID of, called um, CDA Cares. And they're basically um, stopgap uh, measures to help um, provide dental care, oral care for people who are in pain, who have infection and that are out in the community that have no access to care. And part of it is really just to point a spotlight at the need for policy reforms that um, support care for the for for people who can't um, do it on their own. Well, it definitely makes news and headlines and helps so many people. I think there were hundreds of people that went through that event in Nevada County last year. Yeah, and you've also done this on in other locations of Stockton. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the neat thing about them is it's just so, it's really heartwarming to um, provide that kind of care where you come together with probably 2,000 volunteers, you meet the most wonderful people, and the, and the people that you, you take care of are so grateful. And um, it's not really a solution to access to care, but it's it's one of those humanitarian events that help you see all the good that is out there in the in in our world, and um, just makes you feel very positive. By at the end of the day, that people can come together, they can collaborate um, through their relationships, they can make almost um, you know really unthinkable things happen. That if you try to do it 
um, it's, it's amazing that people can pull that off just through the goodness of their hearts. Well, it is exciting, and, and you haven't stopped with uh, just the work that you've done at Kellerman and uh, direct dental care. Uh, you're also involved in the Special Olympics. Is that true? Yeah, just just peripherally, um, through my teaching, um, the dentist that I work with at the University of Pacific, he's very much involved in the Special Olympics and um, taking care of the oral health needs of all of the athletes that participate in that. And um, the, the people that are involved in, in uh, that whole organization are just amazing. They, it goes globally. Um, all, there's all sorts of different um, countries that participate in the World Games for the Special Olympics. And that organization has actually gotten involved in Africa to try and address the problem that we were talking about early with, earlier with the, um, the, um, the, what they call the infant oral mutilation. And so um, I really feel blessed to be involved in that organization because they have a lot of good connections and a lot of um, good leadership that I think will help bring some awareness to that issue. Well, Jean, you contribute so much uh, to the local community globally. What makes it worth it to you to give so much of yourself? Um, I, I, it's if for anybody that's involved in service. You, you learn that you always get so much more back than you give, and I, um, that's my experience. Is that it? Really, um, the gift. If I give. Um, 10 minutes of my time, I get um, 100% back of um, um, enjoy of, of the satisfaction and usually working with other people. It's I do so little on my own, but I've been blessed to come alongside a lot of people that have already organized good things. And um, I can come along as just a little worker bee and, and help make things happen. Well, you definitely make things happen. And in the last few minutes that we have here, I always like to ask uh, the folks on the show, what, w what would you do if you could wave a magic wand to improve our community or beyond um, or make a, so, something you could create or make a problem uh, go away? What, what would your focus be if you had those magic powers? Um, I think it comes back to relationships. And I was just thinking today how much I, how special our community is and how well people can work together in our community. And if it were possible to open people's hearts to really be aware of what an incredible place we live and to, for everybody to work together and to really listen on a deep level to each other with an idea of under, or a goal of understanding each other and um, continue to collaborate to keep our community as wonderful as it is. We have a lot of challenges ahead of us, um, even at coming out of the pandemic. And I think um, that would be my wish for our community that we um, listen and listen to each other and really work collaboratively to try and do what's best to keep our community as wonderful as it is. Well, and Jean, you definitely uh, show us what, what colla good collaboration and leadership looks like. And we didn't even get to talk about what it must be like to be 
uh, essential worker and, and dealing with a dental office uh, in during COVID. Um, we've got a few seconds left. Is there anything we should think about or, or for yourself or for other essential workers out there? Um, I think uh, everybody's staying safe. And um, if you have a chance to volunteer to help uh, um, in making this community um, helping in our recovery, I encourage everybody to do that. Well, thank you, Jean. Uh, my guest has been Dr. Jean Creasy, Nevada City Dentist and Humanitarian. The purpose of this program is to inspire and invite people to participate in the betterment of our community. Discover how you can make a difference by tuning in on Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Next week, your host will be Keith Porter, and he'll be talking with Ann Wood. Thank you to our engineer and podcaster, Keith Porter. You've been listening to The Sages Among Us on KVMR. I'm Lori Burkhart-Frank. Thanks for joining us, and thanks for everything that you do to make our community great.